You're listening to the Cradled in Hope podcast on the Edify Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ashley Opliger. I'm a wife, mom, and follower of Christ who founded Bridget's Cradles, a nonprofit ministry in memory of my daughter, Bridget, who was stillborn at 24 weeks. Cradled in Hope is a gospel-focused podcast for grieving moms to find comfort, hope, and healing after the loss of a baby. We want this to be a safe place for your broken heart to land. Here, we are going to trust God's promise to heal our hearts, restore our joy, and use our grief for good. With faith in Jesus and eyes fixed on heaven, we do not have to grieve without hope. We believe that Jesus cradles us in hope while he cradles our babies in heaven. Welcome to the Cradled in Hope podcast. Welcome back to Cradled in Hope. And before we start this episode, I want to acknowledge that today starts the month of October, which is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month. And for our nonprofit, we have many things that we do throughout the month to honor babies in heaven and honor families who are grieving the loss of a baby. And a lot of that is through our big event that we host every single year called Wave of Light. And that is on October 15th, Pregnancy and Infant Loss Remembrance Day. And regardless if you live in Wichita, Kansas, or in the surrounding area or not, there's many ways that you can participate. We actually have several families flying in this year to come and be part of the event. And so first of all, I want to welcome you no matter where you live. If you want to drive in, fly in, we would love to have you. But if you can't make it to Wave of Light, there's different ways that you can participate. And one of those is by sponsoring lights. So if you haven't had a chance to see what our Wave of Light is all about, we do a hope walk through a course of 50,000 pink, blue, and white lights that are shining in memory of our babies in heaven. And each of these light clusters, so there's five 10-foot tall light poles, and there's pink, blue, and white. And a family can sponsor a light cluster in memory of a baby or babies in heaven. And right now we are actually already sold out of the blue light clusters, but we have 13 pink light clusters left and 20 white ones. And so if you do want to sponsor lights in memory of a baby boy, we don't have the blue lights, but the white lights are just as beautiful and very angelic and pretty at night. So all you have to do is go on to our wave of light website, which is bridgescradles.com backslash wave of light. And there you can sponsor lights. It is a donation of $100. That $100 donation goes directly toward comforting other families through the ministry of Bridget's Cradles. So that donation is really something that you're making in memory of your baby to sponsor the lights to then go on and help other families be comforted with the gift of a cradle, with support, all the various things that we do in our ministry that will go toward our mission. So those sponsorships are due by October 8th. So you only have about a week to sponsor lights. And once those remaining light clusters are accounted for, we will close that. So if that is something that you're wanting to do, we would suggest getting on there and filling out that form as soon as possible. What's included with that is that if you are present at the event, then you obviously will get to see your lights and there's a sign in front of the lights with your baby or baby's names and it's lit up. And we actually encourage families to put pictures and teddy bears and and little mementos around your light cluster. And then that's yours to enjoy and take pictures with during the event. If you cannot attend the event, let's say you live out of state, we actually will take professional pictures of your light cluster and your sign during the day and at night. And we will send those to you after the event. So you'll have all of those digital images We also will include your baby or baby's names in our printed program, and that program will be mailed to you after the event. And so those are just some of the benefits of that. I also want to say that we also have our Shine Their Light fundraiser going on during the month of October. So this started, we launched the fundraiser Shine Their Light on September 1st. It will go all the way through October Awareness. And this is an opportunity for families to fundraise in memory of their baby. So it's what's called a peer-to-peer fundraiser. If you don't know what that means, it's basically where you get to fundraise to your peers and your friends and your family, and you have your own page. And so what's really special is you actually get to create a page with your baby's picture if you want, or a picture of your family with your memorial item, like a teddy bear. Or you can make like a little design or graphic that you want to be your logo 
We have families do lots of different things with the image, but you get to customize the text and share your baby's story. You can add photos. You have a wall where people are donating. Your friends and family can leave comments as they're donating. You can post updates to your page. You get to set your own fundraising goal. You can either do that as a team or as an individual. So a team would be like you're fundraising and maybe your mom or your sister or a friend is going to be on your team and help fundraise with you. And so they would be a team member on your team. But if you're a couple and wanting to do this, you would just have an individual page and then people would go to that page and donate. So this is a great way if you've been wanting to honor your baby during this month of pregnancy and infant loss awareness, and you want those donations to go directly to other families to share Christ-centered support with them and the gift of a cradle in the hospital, this is a great way to do that. This is our only fundraiser that we do throughout the entire year, and we really do rely on the funds that come in through this month to be able to fund our mission year-round. And so we are trying to raise $50,000 through this fundraiser. And as of the time of this recording, which I'm recording this intro a little bit after I've recorded the episode with Matt and Haley, but we have raised around $23,000 of our 50,000 goals. So we are going to be roughly raising around $25,000 through October, and we need your help. And every single dollar counts. And so you don't have to set a large fundraising goal, but if you can participate in some way, and also if you want to pray about maybe giving a gift yourself. So my husband and I, this is part of our annual giving to Bridget's Cradles. We always do what we call a stretch gift, just being above and beyond generous. And so that's something that we do every year for this fundraiser and at the end of the year as well, but something to pray about giving to the Shine Their Light fundraiser, because we are just so passionate about comforting other people in our own pain and using our pain for a purpose. And we feel strongly that this is an opportunity for you to do that. So Shine Their Light, all of that information is on our website. If you go to bridgescradles.com, you'll find all the information about Wave of Light, about sponsoring lights, and about the Shine Their Light fundraiser. If you have any questions about how to set up your page, how to fundraise, please contact us. You can send us a message through our website or over email, info at bridgetscradles.com. You can also send us a DM through Facebook or Instagram and we'll get you set up. You can go on there and look at other team pages so you can kind of see how other families are doing it. But this would be an amazing way for you to take part in October Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month. So thank you for letting me share about all the things that are going on. We hope to see many of you at our Wave of Light event on October 15th. It starts at 6.30. You can register on our website. And for those that will be participating from afar, we want you to know that we are praying for you and remembering your babies in heaven with you. And we would be honored to have your baby's name at our event on one of these signs because we do not take that lightly. And that is something that we really do try to provide the sacred space and give you opportunities to honor them. And I forgot to mention your baby's name will also be on our feature film at the end in our ending credits. So you'll also have a YouTube video that you'll get to share with your baby's name. So lots of different ways that we want to honor babies in heaven this month. Okay, so I've covered all of that. I just wanted you to know because that is coming up just in two weeks on October 15th, Wave of Light. By the way, the family that raises the most by three o'clock that day, they will be honored on stage at the event. And if you don't live here in Wichita, Kansas, we will still find a way to honor you on stage at the event. And we'll also do a blog story about you and your baby posted on social media. And we have different sponsorship levels. You can take a look at that on our website as well. As you are fundraising and you hit different levels, there's different benefits that go along with that. But without further ado, I want to transition now and introduce to you our guest for today's episode, which is Matt and Haley Phillips. They are from the Fletcher Foundation, an amazing organization that I found out about from one of our volunteers here in Wichita. Her husband serves on their board, and they're just an amazing organization that helps families through pregnancy and infant loss. So I'm going to introduce you to them, and then you'll get to hear all about their organization and their story in our episode. So Matt and Haley, they grew up in Minnesota, but they now live in central Iowa, they have been married for eight years, and they have three earthly children, and then they have one baby in heaven named Fletcher. 
After they lost Fletcher, they started the nonprofit, the Fletcher Foundation, which walks alongside families who have experienced miscarriage or stillbirth. I am so honored to introduce them to you. And so let's jump into our conversation now. Welcome, Matt and Haley, to the Cradled in Hope podcast. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Well, it's so good to connect with you. We have mutual friends here in Wichita that are part of your organization. And so we're really excited to get to hear Fletcher's story and how you started the Fletcher Foundation and more about what you do. So if you wouldn't mind introducing yourselves, telling us Fletcher's story, and we'll lead into all about your foundation. Yeah. So we're Matt and Haley Phillips. We've been married. It's going to be eight years as we're recording this tomorrow, September 12th. So to kind of get us to the Fletcher Foundation, losing Fletcher, um, Hudson was born right after our one-year anniversary, so he's turning seven this week. And then one year later, in October, we lost Fletcher at 20 weeks. And after that is when we started the Fletcher Foundation. Our first pregnancy was a surprise and we loved every minute of it. It was super easy. It was an easy pregnancy. And so from that, we were like, great, let's have another kid. And so shortly after that, even before Hudson was one, we knew we wanted more kids. We got pregnant with Fletcher and was just such a different experience that time around. So I'm sure a lot of people, you make it to this 12-week mark and you're like, great, we're going to tell everybody. So at 12 weeks, we felt great about that. Right after we had an announcement, I started bleeding so heavily. I was in the emergency room a couple of times in the next couple of weeks and there was nothing really that they could do. I had a very large hematoma in my placenta, which was causing all of that, lots of pain. And that lasted until he was born. So at the time I worked for a company, a large retailer, and the job was incredibly physical. It was like 50 to 60 hours a week and it's retail, you're on your feet. So I ended up going on a short-term disability with home. So I was on bed rest essentially and feeling okay, probably because I was just resting most of the day like really out of God's provision. We still had childcare for our one-year-old. So he was gone. So I really just took care of myself. And one night we were getting up, getting ready to go to small group. And I called Matt and I said, something is not right. I am having contractions. Something is just not right. You called me when I was driving home from work. Yeah. So we... At that time, I mean, we still do, but we just had an, an amazing community of people around us. Our family didn't live in um, Iowa at that time, so we had no family. We've been married a year <laughs> or two years. We have a one-year-old. So we dropped him off, and people just came in and helped us with our son, which was a gift. But we dropped him off. We went to the hospital, and... They were able to delay, delivery, but ultimately they could not stop it. And so I was in labor for almost two and a half days. And then eventually my placenta did abrupt, which caused me to deliver him at 20 weeks. So unfortunately, medically, they're not going to intervene or do anything more at 20 weeks since viability is 24 weeks. But although this baby may not be alive, I think God just creates a deep hope for life in you. So I think that's something that we both like the finality of it when you go into labor and your body is producing so many hormones and it's to have adrenaline to take care of this life. And there just wasn't that at the end of delivery for us. So I think it was super shocking and we were young in age and young in our marriage and new parents. And I think we had a lot of naive thoughts about it will be fine. We will make it to viability. Like we might be in the NICU. I just think we were very underprepared for not only that experience, but also the grief and how that would shape us and shape our marriage after that experience. Yeah. I am so sorry 
for your loss and everything that you walked through as you were sharing your story, it sounds actually very similar to ours. I had a subchorionic hemorrhage starting at 13 weeks and was on bed rest until 24 weeks and then had a placental abruption and she was born at 24 weeks. And so very similar story. And also my husband and I, it was in our first year of marriage and our first child. And so very young in our marriage. And it's definitely an experience that causes you to grow very quickly together and exposes a lot within your marriage, because when you're grieving, you're the worst version of yourself in some ways. And you have to be very real and vulnerable with your spouse. And that is an opportunity, I think, for some people to grow apart, but it's also an opportunity to grow together and to get to know each other and lean in and figure out ways to communicate through that deep grief. So I'd love to hear from both of your perspective, just being young in age and young in your marriage, how you walked through that together and also individually with the Lord. Yeah. Although it was very traumatic and obviously the biggest trauma I'll probably ever experience on earth as a mother, I did feel an incredible amount of peace right away. I think it's like my parents are strong believers they actually drove down. They were there. They held Fletcher. That gave me a lot of peace and a lot of not closure, but it was so validating to be like, this is your grandson. And this was an experience that we shared together. And I think that was something that helped Matt and I, somebody who was physically there with us in the hospital to have that experience with, because it is so unique and it is so hard to explain or even feel. So I think that was something that helped carry us through that. My parents being close with us in faith, but also close in proximity. There's something about just being close in proximity. We had an amazing community specifically of women who I think they knew how to love well. And in that like, Hey, I don't know what you need. I didn't know what I needed. I would say, here's three options. Let me know what option you're going to choose from. I would love to meet you in this way. Whether it was a meal or I'm going to come take your kid to the park or I'm going to leave you alone and you can tell me what you want me to pray for you for. So it was great because I didn't know what I needed. A lot of people say, oh, let me know what you need. You don't know. So I loved being met in that way. And I think it put me in a really healthy trajectory with having people like that who physically just showed up, cleaned my house. I didn't even know I was in bed, didn't tell me. I think those things were just like God's love was so physically near in people that helped in that grieving process. And I'm also more of a verbal processor and that is not. And so it was challenging where I felt like I was having all these thoughts on the hour or every day. I think Matt was internally processing and also you kind of feel, I won't speak for him, but he kind of feels like, well, I'm going to have to keep it together. I got to get us to the next step or she's having a bad day. I can't have a bad day. And so I think that probably unknowingly just put a lot of pressure on him or if I couldn't meet the needs physically of our one-year-old for a couple weeks after you did just have a baby, (laughs) not being able to meet those needs, like a lot of the physical like the caretaker role a lot was on, was on that. Yeah, I would agree. I think you process things a lot more externally where I'm more internal. And I feel like as your husband, I wanted to care for you really well in that season. And part of that probably limited how vulnerable I was with Mm -hmm. my emotions because I wanted to keep it together and be strong for you and take care of Hudson and Yeah, I think processing and and grieving for me is more internal, but that's all I knew growing up. We really handled things internally. We didn't talk through things. We didn't process things as a family. So that's how I knew how to do it. But I think I realized between now and then, talking about it with people is deeply like therapeutic is probably the best word. Like it feels really good when somebody's like, hey, how are you feeling about Fletcher? I know it's been a few years, but I know you never stopped thinking about it. It feels so good when people acknowledge his existence, acknowledge he was born, 
acknowledge what we went through. I don't need anyone's sympathy, but I do enjoy talking about him and his short life and his memory. And it's something that I feel like I'll never see to the other side until I see him in heaven. And you correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of Matt's, I think his personality and a lot of it comes from, he's a fixer. He wants to be a fixer. I think it's hard for men in that situation. They want to fix it. How do you stand in the gap and not fix it? And I think a lot of that was so much good intentional energy a year later into the Fletcher Foundation. I can't fix it, but I'm going to help people in the same season of life. And so I think a lot of that produced a lot of good productivity in putting that energy into the foundation. Yeah, it's like your grief needs a place to go. And in a lot of ways, when you are serving and helping other people, that is one avenue and outlet for your grief to go because you feel like you're doing something with it and you're doing it in memory of your baby. And so there's a few things that you both touched on that I want to talk about before we move into talking about the Fletcher Foundation. But Haley, you mentioned about people loving well in that season and showing up for you in very practical, tangible ways. And you mentioned some people saying, hey, here are the things that I want to help you with and giving you options. Because when people leave it open-ended, let me know if you need anything. Like you said, first of all, you didn't know what you needed. And secondly, even if you did know what you needed, it's unlikely that you would feel comfortable actually asking for help. It is hard to say, hey, actually, it would be really nice if you could clean my house or go get me groceries or whatever it is. When you're in a vulnerable state of grief, you don't feel like being the one asking. And so it is really nice when people give you those options because you're more than likely going to take those people up on that. So would you just maybe share some more about how to love people well. Like if someone's listening to this podcast and they are listening on behalf of a friend or family member that's walking through pregnancy and infant loss and they want to show up well and love this person well through the season, can you give some more ideas on how to love well and maybe things that you personally experienced? Yeah, I think I am an extrovert. I just wanted to be around people and my friends knew that about me. So my parents were here for a time. I also had this incredible, like if people keep coming, then there's, then I have a little bit more time before I have to get back to my real life. And and I really wanted people around. I do need two weeks of being with people to get my bucket filled before I have to deal with the next season of life. And it did lead to a lot of life changes for us. We made some crazy changes in our life after Fletcher, but my parents came, they stayed with us for a few days. Matt's job graciously gave him paternity leave. I was granted six weeks of maternity leave, which was a true gift. So my parents were here when they left. I had a friend from Kansas come up. She said, you don't need to host me. I'm not going to stay with you, but I'm going to be with you during the day. So you have all the benefits of having me and none of the burden of having me, (laughs) which was a true gift. We ate out. We took my kid to the park. I had someone to help me with just doing daily activities. I felt like I could nap and she was fine. She was fine with me napping. I think it was just being there, just being there in proximity wise. My small group came over they said, hey, we're going to come over. We have a few gifts for you. They came over. They sat on my family room floor. They gave me a book. They gave me a candle. They gave me a journal. They gave me snacks, like postpartum. Like I'm still very postpartum. So sat, let me tell my story, sat with me, read Bible verses over me, prayed with me. My coworkers came, same thing. Brought they, Each one of them brought me a meal. They stocked my fridge. They sat with me. They said, we have your store covered. Don't worry about a thing. So I think I had a lot of like physical ways, but they all, I think just like saying, hey, I'm dropping a meal by, let me know what a good time is. Just not giving someone an an opportunity to say no was great. Or like, hey, this week we're going to order takeout to your house. Let us know what a good night is and what you want. Send us your order. Let us know if anyone's staying with you. We would love to take care of them too. Because we did have a lot of visitors before I even got home from the hospital, somebody had 
already come, cleaned my house. She knew my parents were staying there. She just showed up. She said, I just want to do anything. So I think it's just having those people getting options where I can physically be with you. I can do an active service. Or if you're not feeling like you have the capacity for any of those, tell me how I can lift you up in prayer. And I will say the best thing I think each person did was not use their own words, but point me to scripture because there is no mistaking God's word where I think people could say things that you could feel like are hurtful, that that hits a deep point. That's not what I want to hear right now. I don't want to hear this. I think using God's word was always just bombed my soul, just pointing me back to the father instead of somebody's opinion. They always used scripture. And that was just a true blessing to me. And it really did push me like, oh, I do have to deal with this. I do have to come to God with this. I do have to now wrestle with my father over this deep pain. And that was super healing and also encouraging for me at the time. Wow, Haley, you just shared so many wonderful ideas for people. And as you were talking, I was like summarizing them into four words and they all start with P. And this is what I came up with was practical, that so many of the things that people were doing were just very practical to meet needs in your grief. You said proximity, which is just being close and near, which is also the third P was presence. People like your friend willing to just sit with you, even be in your living room while you're napping, just her presence of being willing to sit in your sadness with you. And then four, it's a phrase pointing to God and pointing to the hope of Jesus. And you can never go wrong when you're pointing people to scripture, because like you said, so many people can have well-intended thoughts and things they want to say to try to make you feel better because that's what people do is they want you to feel better. And so people will try to find the silver lining in it, or they'll say things that they think are helpful, but may be a little bit insensitive. But when you're sharing true hope that's founded in the firm foundation of Christ, you can't go wrong. So I love everything that you shared. And I just think what a beautiful picture of the body of Christ surrounding you after Fletcher passed away and went to glory with Jesus, because truly that's just what the body is meant to do is to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And that's what I'm seeing the community and your family and friends doing in your life. So thank you for sharing all of those ways that people can support families that are walking through this. And then Matt, I want to dive into some things that you said, everything that you were saying about feeling the need to be strong and to want to fix things. We hear that time and time again, when we do couples support groups and when we've had other fathers on our podcast, we had a podcast with the five love languages for grieving parents. And we talked a lot about how men and women grieve differently and not to stereotype men and put men in a box, but your story is very similar to how my husband processed things and how many other men do. But underneath the surface of your strength and of wanting to just have it together for your wife and your family, there is that need to want to share about your son and want to talk about what you went through and also need to have a place for your grief to go. So I want you to talk to any men that might be listening to this podcast. And maybe it's a wife um, is listening to this podcast and she's going to say, hey, now I want my husband to listen to this because Matt's here talking about this. But would you speak to the fathers about what that process was like for you opening up and how you enter into those kinds of conversations? And then let's lead into the conversation of finding a place for your grief to go and and how that looked in your life. Yeah, I think... As men, we have a very hard time being vulnerable and talking about our feelings. I kind of talked about it previously, like growing up, we didn't talk about our feelings. We didn't talk about what we felt. We didn't talk through things. So after we lost Fletcher, that really wasn't an option. Haley had all these feelings. I had all these feelings. And I don't remember the exact time period, but there was a time I processed a little bit differently after I got back to work, after you got back to work, kind of went back into the routine is when I started feeling things. I remember one time I was sitting on the little swing we had on the deck after I got done mowing the lawn with our one and a half year old. I always wear the little carrier and mow the lawn with him. And 
I just sat there and just started crying, thinking, okay, I'll never be able to do this with Fletcher. That's something I'm never going to be able to experience. And it just hit me a lot different than it did for Haley. Haley right away, super emotional about it, understandably. And it took me a little bit longer to get there. But after that, I remember being a lot more vulnerable with Haley, making sure I explained her how I was feeling, how it was impacting me. And it's so important to talk through that because I've seen and talked with a lot of men that don't process it, don't process it in a healthy way. And then you can have negative emotions. You can get angry about it. You can create conflict with your spouse about it. You can have a lot of resentment about it. And being Christians, we're rooted in Christ. Like We know that our baby is waiting for us in heaven. We know it's not our fault. It's not our spouse's fault. It's sin, why these things happen. And I think just after I got to the point where I could be real with myself, process it, like that really changed our marriage. That helped me be more vulnerable, emotional to you than I probably was any time before that in our marriage. And I think you recognized 10 months, a year later, that's like, I really do need more support. I think at the time you're like, we're doing fine. If Haley's doing fine, I'm doing fine. And you uh, like had reached out to a mentor to talk through those things and have someone to go to, a confident where you could share feelings because Matt was very worried about upsetting me or stirring up emotions I wasn't having because I was just in a different place. Not wrong, not right, just a different place. And so Matt did have somebody that he met with and was able to pour truth into him and create that kind of atmosphere for him to go. And so he could come back and say, this is what I'm feeling and this is what I'm thinking about it. And I think Matt was afraid of having the raw emotional impact to me and wanted to be super thoughtful about what he was going to say because he didn't yeah. want to hurt me, stir up something or or hurt a wound that was beginning this kind of scab or whatever it was. So, yeah. And I think kind of go back to answer the question directly. I think if I had advice for the dad that has been through miscarriage or the friend of the dad that's gone through miscarriage, I tell the dad, hey, don't be afraid to be vulnerable. There's so many men out there that their wife, their spouse has had a miscarriage or a stillbirth or some type of loss. And they are looking for someone exactly like you to connect with. Uh, I was at a daddy-daughter dance at the church. And one thing I've really been trying to do is when people ask me how many kids we have, I make sure I say Fletcher's name. I say, we have Hudson. We have Fletcher, he's in heaven. We lost him at 20 weeks. And then we have Quinn and Sutton, our, our two youngest. And another guy's like, wow, that's really interesting you said that. We've got our daughter that's here. And we also lost a baby. We had a miscarriage. So there's so many men out there that you can connect with that are willing to be emotional with you. And you need to let them, you need to process. And then the advice I'd give to the friends of the dads that have gone through miscarriages kind of like what Haley was saying, when we say to a man, to a guy, let me know what you need. Most men that I know aren't going to take anyone up on that. We don't want to bother people. We don't want to be an inconvenience. Similar to Haley's friends, you, you've got to show up in some way. If it's a golf buddy, take them golfing, take them out to a restaurant for appetizers, just pick something, do something because saying, hey, let me know what you want they're not going to take you up on that. Men don't want to bother other guys. Yeah, I definitely can see that. And coming back to the idea of meeting people where they're at, sitting in their sadness with them, being present with them, that applies to both men and women. It's going to look a little bit different for each of us and how we grieve and also our personality, whether we are more extroverted or introverted. But I think that overall, the message is just, showing up, being very practical, and finding some need that you can meet. We hope you are enjoying this episode so far. We want to take a quick break to tell you about some resources our ministry provides to grieving moms. On our website, bridgetscradles.com, you can find hope-filled resources on grieving and healing, including memorial ideas, quotes in scripture, featured stories, and recommended books in other organizations. We share ideas on how to navigate difficult days, such as due dates, heaven days, and holidays. 
In addition, every month I lead Christ-centered support groups for bereaved moms called Hope Gatherings, both in person and online. You can find a list of upcoming dates and sign up for our next support group on our website. Lastly, we would love for you to connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. You can find us on these three pages, at Bridges Cradles, at Cradled in Hope, and my personal page, at Ashley Opliger. You can also join our private Cradled in Hope Facebook group for grieving moms to find community. We would be honored to hear your baby's story and be praying for you by name. Now let's get back to our episode. So I want to come back to your marriage and what you said about how there was this big turning point in your marriage, Matt, when you started being more vulnerable with Haley and you had someone else that you were processing and sharing vulnerably with, and then you were able to come back and share that with Haley. And so what advice would you both give to greeting couples as they're navigating this, especially if they're younger in their marriage? What advice would you give for couples? Yeah, I'll I'll kind of share two stories and then talk a little more. So I remember right when we lost Fletcher, when we were in the hospital, the person that came in to help you through your grief, she walked in. and She obviously didn't know that we were Christians. I don't know what her faith was, but we're sitting there. I think we were holding them at that time. I remember it's the middle of the day and she walked in. She's like, hey, how are you guys doing? We're like, we're doing okay. I don't think non-Christians, I can be way off, would say that. I think as Christians, we have this hope in Jesus. We know where Fletcher is and we know we're going to see him again. And if you're not a Christian, I don't know how you could have any type of hope or there'd be anything redeeming from such a tragedy. We told her we're doing okay. We're doing all right. And she's like, it's okay to be angry. And Haley and I kind of looked at each other when she said that because we're so thrown off. And sure, maybe you could say we were angry with what happened, but we really weren't angry. There was really a piece about it that knowing that the first time Fletcher's eyes opened, he saw Jesus. We know that's where he is. And we weren't angry at each other then, and, and we weren't really ever angry after that. Fast forward a couple of weeks after that, our, our pastor at the church we went to at that time saw on Facebook what happened. He's like, hey, Matt and Haley, I'm so sorry. When can you come in this week? I want to talk to you. And I feel like he gave us really good advice. One piece of advice that he gave us was be kind to one another. We were married for two years at that point, eight years now. And I feel like those first five years of marriage are tough as you're learning each other. And I feel like that's really good advice, whether you're going through a tragedy or not. I mean, there were definitely times where being the fixer, Haley was more emotional about something regarding Fletcher and I just wanted to fix it. I wanted to solve it. And she just wanted me to be there with her. And maybe I'm speaking out of turn. I'm sure sometimes that probably frustrated you that I wasn't being emotional with you and trying to fix it instead of just being present. And the reason that advice I think was really good and some I remember is because we need to have grace with one another. Like Haley has never processed through a miscarriage before. I've never processed through a miscarriage before. And we're going to feel a lot of different things. And if we're not sinning, feeling that is okay. And I think we did a good job loving and respecting each other and giving each other grace on a hard day or if we were short with each other on a certain day. And I feel like that's only because of what Jesus did on the cross. Jesus paid the price for our sin. Jesus gives us grace for our worst things. How can we not give each other grace for being frustrated in a moment or being super emotional and not able to be connected with. Yeah, I think too, when Matt started to share all these things, I think God really started to like, we were healing apart and then we started to grow together. And not that you can't heal together. I think you can. That's just not really where our story was. And as soon as Matt started healing and processing through things, there was just this growth in our marriage where it really changed so much of how we see life. We had just built the house. We sold that house. I left a really great paying job to stay home with our son. I just didn't want to spend my time at work. And that's not everybody's story, but that's just what we felt at the time. That's where I needed to be. I felt like I had missed a lot of 
the first year and a half of Hudson's life, either working or in the hospital. <laughs> so I just was like, it's not worth it to me. I don't care about my nice car. I don't care about this house we just built. What is it worth? And so I think God just started to really refine our perspective on parenting and how we are going to use our resources. And so we did. We just made some really wild decisions. We moved into a tiny little house. We paid off all of our debt. I nannied so that I could also bring my son with me while I was nannying. We just did a lot of things to really put ourselves, okay, life is short. How do I want to spend my time? And we put all the money that we saved into the Fletcher Foundation. So I think that is God really started to grow us in that way of our perspective. And then you do have an opportunity to make something good of something that was so hard because hard is not bad. And so I think it was just how God started to grow us together in that season. Amen. Well, I love how you said you were healing separately and then you were growing together. And it just makes me think of the classic triangle analogy, which you always see like the husband and the wife are the bottom part of the triangle. And as you are growing closer to the Lord, who is at the peak of the triangle, you're also growing closer to each other. And that's what I'm seeing here in your story. As each of you were seeking the Lord and doing your own healing work with him, he was drawing you near to him and drawing you near to each other. I also just love how this experience of grief and your son's life gave you this eternal perspective to really reprioritize everything in your earthly life. And I can relate to that so much because on Bridget's empty nursery floor, I had this moment of surrender where I was like, okay, God, I'm all in. I, I want to be completely sold out for you. And I always tell people that's the moment that Bridget's Cradles was born. Obviously it was born at her birth um, and God had known about it long before she was even born and had orchestrated the events of my mom knitting the cradle while I was pregnant and all of those things. But I feel like that moment on the floor was when I really surrendered and say, okay, God, I will quit my job. I will do whatever it is that you want me to do. And I do feel like when you walk through something as traumatic and as life-changing as losing a child, you do have this refocus and God just really makes it clear what's important in life. Because when you bury a child or when you walk through something like this, your own mortality becomes a reality because mm-hmm. now I'm going to the cemetery and visiting Bridget and I can imagine one day I'm going to be buried there if Jesus doesn't come back first. And so I just think to myself, I want to make these days count and do everything I can for his glory until I get to see her. And so that's what you guys are doing. And I love that God made some very radical changes in your family because of his life. And then this beautiful foundation was born. So I would love for you now to tell us all about the Fletcher Foundation, how it was started, what you do, who you serve, everything. Yeah. Yeah. So I, the fixer, after we lost Fletcher, I knew I wanted to do something because I'm a fixer. And I didn't know exactly what that was. And I was just something that was kind of on my heart. And I don't know if it's the same day or in the same week, but a couple of different points kind of connected to me. One, we were getting hospital bill after hospital bill after hospital bill for him. And the total of the bills from him were more than our living son Hudson that we had. And the delivery wasn't anything more than a routine delivery. There was really no difference between delivery of Hudson and Fletcher other than Fletcher was born stillbirth and and obviously Hudson was born alive. So it was kind of throwing us off why there was any difference. And then another thing that happened is at work shortly after this, somebody was complaining about the cost of paying for a hospital bill for for having a baby. They were complaining about it. And I remember sitting in my cubicle, just processing that and how it made me feel. And I remember coming home and telling Ailey, hey, I want to start a nonprofit and I want to help families after they go through miscarriage or stillbirth pay for their hospital bills. So it's fresh in my mind that this person was complaining about the cost of the bills and they got to bring their baby home. We have to pay all this money and we didn't even get the baby to make it worth it. So that's when the idea for the Fletcher Foundation really started. 
we had no idea what we were doing, to be honest. We just knew what we wanted to do. We got a team around us that kind of helped get it kicked off, our original board, me and two other gentlemen, one that was connected to people, one that knew a little bit about finances, and the three of us figured it all out. So what we wanted to do with the Fletcher Foundation is we wanted to pay the hospital bills of families that have had a miscarriage or stillbirth. So they would go to our website, they would fill out an application, they would hit submit, we would review it. And as long as that bill was for a miscarriage or stillbirth, we would pay a portion of it as much as we could at that time. I remember the first year in the Fletcher Foundation's existence, we had three hospital bills. We had three applicants. And I remember sending three $1,000 checks towards their bills. And they were so thankful. And I remember sitting down, looking at Hale and wow, we're helping people. It just felt so cool that like God put us in a position to make something out of losing Fletcher. Haley and I co-founded it together. I serve as the president, but Haley's right there through all of it. She's on the client team. So Haley is the one that actually interacts with the clients when they apply, make sure they have the correct paperwork, communicate with them via email or phone call if needed, make sure their check gets sent. We've grown a ton in the four or five years. So our first year, we did three clients. And then last year, we helped over 100 families. One other really cool thing that we do is we send what we call a hope box. So everyone that applies, we use the term accepted. So anywhere in the United States, if they apply, they have a miscarriage or a stillbirth bill, we're going to send them something. Nobody gets left behind. We want to make sure these families are seen, they're acknowledged, and they're going to get something. But they also get a hope box. So it's, you can talk a little bit about the hope boxes. Yeah. So I work with one other person on the client team. It was important to me that we kept it small and we read every single story. There's just something about reading people's stories. I think it reminds you what you're doing. It just puts you in a place of this is why we do this. So we read every single story. We do manage their bills and their paperwork, but we send them a hope box. So that box has, I got a book from someone when I had Fletcher and I just read it over and over and over again. It's a picture book. And I remember reading with Hudson and it's, mom, don't cry. There are no tears in heaven. And I think it's just a good depiction of what it is as a mama, lose your baby, but also you have a heavenly father. So that is a book that's in our hope box. We send a journal, we send Kleenex, we send a baby blanket, depending on if any, we have volunteers, whatever they send us or whatever is gifted us, we put this in this box. And we just want to celebrate that life. And remember that life matters. You are a mom. You will always know forever be a mom. And I just wanted to always validate that. And then also we always on Mother's Day send flowers to every single mom. It has looked wildly different when we went from three applications to like hundreds. (laughs) But that is something that is really memorable for our clients. Mother's Day can be super exciting, also can be super painful for some mamas. And so we always want to go back and commemorate that with them and just bring them through that first year of loss. It's hard. We have done things at Christmas that time, depending on like volunteers or whatever we have available to us. We really try to impact that first year of loss. And then if they do have children, we try to send like resources around. How do I talk to my children about this? And how do you introduce your children to death, essentially? And so we try to really, we do have good partnerships with other resource places around us that have been able, we're not the experts on that, but they have great resources to point those people to. We take applications from anywhere in the United States. So we're not just Iowa. We'll take anything in the United States. I love that. So if there's a mom or a family that's listening and they have a bill after the loss of a baby, how do they find you? How do they apply for funding and to get a hope box? Can you point us to your website and talk through that process for our listeners who might want to partake in your services? Yeah, they can find us on the FletcherFoundation.org. We do just have a type inbox application. They can share as much or as little as their story that they want. The details are 
in God's hands, but it is sometimes really therapeutic for people to write down their story and have someone on the other side that understands and has been there. So they apply. We usually ask for their, whatever the hospital gives them. We also ask for my itemized bill. And then we process that on a client team. They'll get an initial email from us. At the end of the month, we look at all of our applications and we look at our budget for the month or our gifts that have come in and we disperse them among our applications. So nobody's walking away without something. And it really depends on that month. Sometimes we have six applications. Sometimes we have 24 applications. And we just really leave it in God's hands and we give the money. And God has always provided, has always shown up, has always provided. In fact, sometimes I get wildly generous <laughs> and uh, have to just like, I'm like, oh, God will show up. Like God will show up. We just have to do this. And so I think it's been month after month and year after year. God has richly blessed just the, I think just the small faithfulness, the things nobody sees. I think God blesses that not mundane, but just a faithful, small work. It's not showy, but God has really shown up for us in that. Absolutely. I love that. There's so many times with ministry, people see the social media page or the website, but they don't see all of the small acts of obedience day in and day out from starting the nonprofit to all the things that take to maintain and sustain a nonprofit and the funding and just watching God provide. At the beginning of our ministry, we had a small bin where we had all of the cradles and there were times when hospitals would ask for cradles and I wouldn't know if I would even be able to pull open a bin and there'd be enough cradles in there. And now fast forward to where we're at now, we have thousands of cradles. We received over 31,000 cradles last year um, and we have bins from floor to ceiling of cradles. And so every nonprofit has some sort of story like that, but I do believe that when you're faithful in the small things, God continues to grow it and bless it. And he sees that the acts of obedience that you guys have just poured into the ministry and how generous you've been with people. And it's in a, in a way you're testing God and he says, test me in this. And he continues to show up and provide. So can anyone also, if they want to donate to this mission and cause to help other people pay their bills. Can you share about how they would do that? They would just go to your website and donate online? Yep. Right on the top of our website, there's a donate button. We don't get any big or small government grants or state grants for all friends and family. Or if you have a a company donation match, a lot of companies have you give a certain amount towards a certain nonprofit, we'll match it. So all of our gifts are through that. You can set up a monthly donation for, for $5 a month. It would just come right out of your credit or debit card, or you can do PayPal. I think they have Apple Pay, Android Pay. All the different things are all on there. I believe in the Fletcher Foundation. I I think we're obviously biased, but a a great organization. One of my favorite things is nobody takes any money out. Nobody takes a salary. All of your money, it's going to go right to the client. And I don't think a lot of nonprofits can say that. We can (laughs) Yeah, we, uh, yeah, but I would agree with you. That is not common. It is not common. So we're in the same position. All of our full-time and part-time team members are all volunteers. I don't have a salary. No one else in Bridget's Cradles has a salary. And so we literally do give a hundred percent of our donations directly to our programs and services. And That's not to say that I don't think that nonprofits that do pay their executive directors or whatnot a salary, there's anything wrong with that. I do believe that people should be able to earn money. But at the same point, I do think there's something really unique and beautiful about organizations like ours where you can say that everyone that's involved is truly doing it because they have a compassionate heart and a passion for the mission. And I always say, I'm earning rewards in heaven. That, that's my payment. I don't need earthly money. And I love working for free. And I know that sounds interesting, but when you're passionate about something, it doesn't bother you. And I do think there's also a credibility to your organization when you can say that because you know that those donations are going directly to the families that you're trying to serve. I think it too, it really helps us as co-founders just have an open hand. It's not ours, it's God's. It's really not ours. So by not taking anything from it, I don't feel like I have this wild 
ownership of something. So I think we don't take things personally. We just keep going and it, it really doesn't belong to us. It belongs to God. And so that has really helped just everything because running a nonprofit, especially during COVID, after COVID, it's not for the faint of heart by any means. And so I think it's just helped shape it. God will do what he wants to do. And we're just along for the ride. We don't want to get, there's no personal game. Yeah. We just want to serve people and meet them where they're at, be there on their hardest days and paying a portion or paying a bill isn't going to make the loss go away. It's not going to make the pain go away. It's not going to make you not feel emotional. We just want it to be one less thing that you think about, whether we can pay off a small bill or make a small payment on a bill. And a lot of our clients tell us it's not about how much money we paid. It's that we were there and just wanted to try to help take one thing off their mind. That's all we want to do. We want there to just be one less thing they need to worry about. And we don't need any, like all glory to to God, like that we're in this position that we can lead this organization and help these people. Amen. I think it's so beautiful what you're doing and how God led you to this, to meet this very specific need. And it's like what Haley said, it's not just paying a hospital bill, it's also validating them in their grief and saying, I see you in the midst of this and this is really, really hard and we're here for you. We're someone else on your team that's trying to make this an easier road for you. And I just love that. And I obviously love that you're believers and that you're pointing people to Christ through all of this. And we are just so honored that you were on our podcast. And I want to encourage everyone who's listening, if you have this need and you have a bill that needs to be taken care of, please reach out to them. We're going to link their website in our show notes. You can go on our blog to find them. But as we close this episode, would you guys just share one final message of hope to all of our listeners, maybe a Bible verse that you clung to in the midst of your grief. And then afterwards, if you would close this in prayer. Yeah, I think when we were pregnant with Fletcher, after having him, we always relied on Psalm 127, where it talks about children being like a quiver, right? And that God uses these arrows that he has given you. And we just relied heavily on that passage of scripture. And kids are this arsenal to go out into the world and share the good news of Jesus. Like that's really what a gift that God gives us that as parents. And I think something that as we've grown in our faith and just matured, it talks about in the Psalm, God does not withhold any good thing. It doesn't say, I will not give you hard things, but I will not withhold any good thing from you. And just the deeper knowledge of his life was good. My baby's life was still good because it was from God. And so I think there's just, it comes with, I think just time and growth, but how God leads you deeper to him through continuing to be in grief as a parent. But at the end of the day, your heavenly father completes that work in you and can complete that work in you to meet you there. So I think that would be what the most joy we have found in this process. Sometimes when people will share that verse, people will think of it as pertaining only to living children. And our babies in heaven are just as much these arrows, right? That their lives matter, even if they don't take a single breath on this earth. And they can impact this earth just as much as living children. And they're part of our quiver and they're part of our kingdom family that we are together doing this ministry for the glory of God and to share the good news of the gospel. And we obviously are going to raise our living children to be disciples and to share the good news that way, but also our children in heaven, their lives are testaments to God's faithfulness. And they are just as much these beautiful arrows that have an amazing impact on this world. So thank you for sharing that scripture. Matt, do you mind closing us in prayer? I'm happy to. Father God, just thank you so much for this day, Lord. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for sinners, Lord. Thank you for the grace you've shown on me as a dad, as a father, as a husband. I just pray that your hand is over the Fletch Foundation, Bridget's Cradles, Lord, and just 
that you are glorified in everything that these organizations do. Thank you so much for Ashley and her time and, and giving us the space to talk about the Fletcher Foundation. Lord, just thank you so much for this day. Lord, we love you. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, both of you, for being here. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you for listening to the Cradled in Hope podcast on the Edify Podcast Network. We pray that you found hope and healing in today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss new episodes when they release on the first of every month. You can also find this episode's show notes in a full transcript on our website at bridgetscradles.com backslash podcast. There, you can also download a free PDF for each episode called the Episode Hope Guide, which is filled with notes, scripture, links, discussion questions, and so much more. Be sure to leave your email address so that we can keep you updated on podcast episodes, upcoming support groups, and other hope-filled resources. If you're interested in volunteering or donating to Bridget's Cradles in memory of a baby in heaven, you can find information on our website on how you can get involved and spread hope to other grieving families. One way you can help is by leaving a review of this podcast on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. Consider the minute of your time as a way that you can personally share the hope you found here with another mom whose heart is broken and needs healing. Thank you so much for listening and sharing. Until next time, we will be praying for you. And remember, as Jesus cradles our babies in heaven, he cradles us in hope. Though we may grieve, we do not grieve without hope. Cradled in Hope is part of the Edify Podcast Network, a collection of faith-inspiring podcasts on Edify, the world's most powerful Christian podcasting app. To listen to Cradled in Hope and find other podcasts by leading Christian voices, Download the Edify app in the Apple and Google Play stores or online at edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. Thank you so much for listening. 